Hey guys, John here. I just want to talk about something for a minute. We actually have a Patreon up right now in full swing, and that is our $5 a month plan. It's called Movie Lovers Classics. It covers bonus episodes, reviewing classic movies like you're about to listen to right now with the uh, little Caesar review that we just did, early access to episodes, monthly newsletters, shoutouts on the main uh, feed, early access to episodes, and then we also have all-access documentary series review, which is $10 a month. And that includes bonus episodes, Eli Roth's History of Horror, early access to episodes, monthly newsletters, free digital movies, shout-outs on the main feed as well. And then that also includes our classic uh, movie reviews as well. And then our $20 a month plan is our VIP movie lover. And that also includes bonus episodes, classic movie reviews, interviews with independent actors, actresses, directors, and comic book writers, and it also includes movie lovers documentaries and early access to episodes, monthly newsletters, free digital movies, and shoutouts on the main feed as well. Go ahead, subscribe to the Patreon. We hope that we'll see you there, and always until next time, guys, bye-bye. Hey, Tamika. Hey, hey, what's going on? Nothing much. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. So you finally so, finished. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I finally finished Malcolm X. Oh, okay. I finally did it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it took a while, but Malcolm, Malcolm is deep. Malcolm is really yeah, deep. Yeah, it's, it's deep. Can you imagine if you saw it in theaters? Oh, God. I would need an intermission, and then after that, I'd probably need a cigarette and maybe have a drink afterwards. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> like um, with Lord of the Rings and uh, like Marvel movies. Well, Definitely. Especially Endgame. How, like, extended it is. Oh, definitely. But, although, I have to say this, though. Um, I feel like this is the best adaptation that you can get. That's a biopic that covers everything that you want in a biopic. Oh, yeah. Be- because here's the thing. In a biopic, if you noticed, in certain biopics, they talk about the negatives, but they don't focus on the negatives a lot. They just went go on ahead, ignore the negatives, and make the person out to be... Um, all positive rather than the negative. With this one, Spike Lee covered all of that in one film and doing it for three hours. Yeah, yeah. And I know especially he took from um, the autobiography of Malcolm X by Alex Haley, which I suggest everyone to go out and read because I read it in middle school, I want to say, that it was a class assignment and I remember I couldn't put it down because I it read like a diary. Oh wow! It's, he wrote it while he was still alive, Malcolm X, and Alex Haley was like this famed author who who also wrote Roots. He kind of like it was kind of like Alex Haley was interviewing him. So oh, and he was kind of like helping him with writing the book. So it's pretty much Malcolm's words. But it's Alex Haley kind of guiding him through the process of how to write, you know, a book and basically interviewing him. So, right. I think yeah, even I Malcolm. Like, I like books like that, like how it 
how it reads like a, a diary. I do too, to be honest with you. I definitely love how it reads like a diary and everything too. Like how I can actually tell by that just by watching the film. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, the the film it it reads just like the book, basically. Just one big diary of um just Malcolm's story. Exactly. And like I said, it plays out just like a diary does to me when you're mm-hmm. watching this film. I actually felt like I was more dialed into this than whenever I was watching One Night in Miami, where it covered a little bit of Malcolm, but not enough to actually get to know him as a person. Mm-hmm. Also, too, I felt like One Night in Miami also uh, felt like I didn't really feel the struggle of his wife and what his wife was going through, the emotions of everything that he was doing at that time. You yeah. Know? With this one, I actually captured everything. I was enticed. I was glued in. I was dialed in to everything that she was, uh, that everyone was doing in this film. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Um, but I definitely like how it goes in with him just being a straight-up hustler, mm-hmm. where he's just a gangster, pretty much. And he's getting in some trouble and stuff like that. And then he's even a, being a bookie for one of the other gangsters and everything. And then one of the gangsters is even questioning his his own M.O. Because remember, he said, um, well, I have that number and everything. Where's my money at? And the mob boss is pretty much saying, you're just a two-bit. You're just hustling off of me at this point. You yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, I forgot his name. I want to say it's West Indian Charlie. But I'm not sure. But I I find it fascinating that the the mob boss he never wrote anything down, and he was like, "They'll never keep a paper trail." And I was like, "That's the smartest thing ever to just have that much memory where you don't write anything down. That way, you don't have a paper trail for when the cops come after you." Exactly. Because here's the thing: if if you know anything about gangsters and stuff like that, they're not supposed to keep any records, any documentations. Otherwise, there will be a, a paper trail. Yeah. You know, that was and actually... I'm sure he the... learned that from the Italians. Exactly. Because if you remember on Boardwalk Empire, for example, when with Nucky, his wife told him not to be writing down any more information. She throws it into the fire, all the record books that Nucky had. So... With him basing everything off of memory, remind me of that. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's been hanging out with some Italian mobsters. <laughs> and then also, too, um, I also like how, you know, he goes from being with this one church woman type, uh, type of female and everything. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, well, I can't get none from her, so I'm just going to go to somebody else, and then that somebody Man. else happens to be a white female. And during that time, that was crossing the boundaries at that time. Like, Yeah, it was, but it was like, right. if you notice, when they were in the dance hall, nobody looked at them strange. Because I, I assume that there were white people who came down to these dance halls. So that, 
you know, that it was just normal. Right. But, yeah, it just seemed like it was just normal for her to be there and things like that. And I like the fact that, you know, you can tell there was some growth still being built there in a sense where it was uh, basically whites and blacks mixing together, which is something that I like seeing because it looked like it was normal now and nothing was really that segregated like we saw before in a sense because you actually saw white people yeah. down in the club. Um, it kind of reminds me of um, it just escaped my mind. Oh, what do you call those things? It was during Prohibition. It was like an underground club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. That's what it reminded me of. And I'm sure there was a mixture there, too. But, you know, if Sophia was her name, if Sophia was in Manhattan, wherever they were, I think this is Chicago, right? Wasn't this based in Chicago? Or Boston? It was based in Chicago, I believe. So yeah, it was based in Chicago. If Sophia was on the white side, she wouldn't dare be with Malcolm. No. But her her coming to the black side was normal. Like there were there were plenty of white people who came to the black side because they liked the music. Or they wanted to, you know, hustle or something. Right. So it was, like was kind of normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I think too, John. Just the way that Spike Lee shot this movie, it could be taught in lots of film classes. Because you see the classic um, pan shot and over the head shot. I'm trying to remember from film class <laughs> when I thought I was going to be a film major, but I wasn't. Um, oh. You see the close up and what are the other shots? I feel like you could see Spike Lee just going through everything he learned in film school. I think he went to film school. Yeah, I think he did, if I'm not mistaken. It's, and... it's like you can see everything, all those elements. Like when him and Malcolm were um, in the park playing gangsters and cops. And then you, you can, I think it's an overhead shot of their, you just see both their hands. Yeah, it was an overseat. Yeah, yep. yeah. So Kind of like a one shot. There you go. Yeah, see, you know. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> everything of film class. But yeah, I, I kind of, it feels like this film could be shown, like I said, in film class, and a teacher could say, this is called an overhead shot. This is called this, you know. Right. And I definitely could tell that. Like, this is like an overlay shot. This would be a uh, one shot where it's just following mm-hmm. and then the person from behind. And then the overlay shot would actually just be them focusing the camera over their heads, but also focusing it on the two characters at the same time. Yes, exactly. But with some of Spike Lee's own elements in it, too, that you can see in all his other films, like The Five Bloods, where he'll just um, take like a newsreel, like Joe Lewis newsreel, and you see that. And then it pans to what the reaction is on the street. Like, I think Spike Lee kind of does that in all his films. He'll take archival footage and he'll just be that shot of that archival footage and then it'll be the character reacting to that footage. Exactly. Or and like, that's the thing uh, that, go ahead. Yeah. What I liked was how it goes from Denzel and then it turns black and white. It goes into like a seven millimeter uh, film style thing of it making it look like that 
in real time that this is happening in history at that very oh, moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I liked about it. I actually felt yeah. like I was a part of history following oh, yeah. on this oh, journey that he's going on. Yeah, and I, I like the first scene, like the beginning of the movie, you hear Malcolm's voice, and then you see the just the American flag just big, and you're like, whoa, it like it gives me chills because I've seen this movie countless times, but I still get chills on that opening shot where his his voice, well, Mal- Denzel as Malcolm, his speech is overlaid over just the caption of the American flag. Right, just that monologue alone. Yeah, yeah down totally. your body. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I do have I to know... say that that monologue is what represents Malcolm. Also, not only oh. that, but also what he rep- also, too, at the time, what America represented at its time. So, yeah. having two symbols recognizing the place and time, I thought that was really good. Oh, yeah. It was so good. I mean, just um, like, I read a couple of movie facts, um, and I know that Spike Lee had a hard time making this film uh, because of budget, too. Um, he wanted to go longer with, like, three hours, <laughs> right? Right, <laughs> three hours. Was like, nah, nah, bro. <laughs> and uh, he had uh, Oprah and I think Bill Cosby you know, before we knew about the Quaaludes. Right. Um, and Janet Jackson put in money for him to do the last half the last half of the movie so he can complete it. Uh, also, there was uprage in the black community because, you know, Denzel Washington didn't look like Malcolm X. Because Malcolm X is high yellow. Denzel is dark skinned. Right. Don't get and me you... started on that. That's some colorism in mm. our community that we need to fix. Right. And they were also afraid that um, that the biopic of Malcolm X would be watered down, like you were talking about. You know, right. like they'll just show like the good parts or whatever. But he also had um, Betty Shabazz, his wife, Malcolm mm. X's wife, as a consultant. That that so, really helped. And right then there. that kinda yeah, that kinda helped like all the protests that were about to go on in the black community. They were like, Oh, okay, never mind. He may do this justice. Exactly. Also too, I wanna mention this, but I have to say this. It's very impressive that you actually have other people backing him to finish mm-hmm. the last bit of the film. Because normally you would have to sell something in order to get more money, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and he he was really fortunate to have just Oprah and all of them. Just people that really, you could tell they really wanted this film to be made, and they believed in it so much that they would put up money together to just get it to the screen. Exactly, because they wanted the story to be told. And be told in the right kind of light, and not to be depicted as something that's watered down to the point where it can be respected. Because yeah, with something like this, you have to have such respect and such remorse for it, and especially at the fact that this is based on true events, and mm-hmm. this really did happen. So you actually have to have the respect and trust within the whole entire thing for it to work. Yeah, 
Yeah, and, and like I said, Spike Lee did a really good job kind of following the book. Of course, um, not everything in the book is on the film, you know, because it's impossible to do that. But if a film can get as close as possible to the book and touching like the main points, I think it's mm-hmm. a success. Same. Same here as well, to be honest with you. Because it feels like, you know, you, we had this conversation earlier where I said it feels like I'm actually reading the book and the, I'm watching the book come to life and everything on the screen. It feels yeah. like a straight up book from book to film adaptation that's actually perfectly well executed while also touching on the negative aspects as well as the positive aspects of it. Yeah, and that what made telling the story of a person's life great you can tell the well-roundedness like you have to have the good and the bad and then also the ugly <laughs> not Clint right. Eastwood not not to do the Clint Eastwood thing <laughs> right but you you have to tell all aspects and that that's what makes a whole person exactly and it also makes it feel like it's so real it makes it feel like it's real life mm-hmm. you know oh, it makes yeah. Because I feel like Denzel brought that level of Malcolm that we probably wouldn't have seen from anyone else at that time. And I no. actually felt like I was watching Malcolm. I, I, I didn't even feel like I was watching Denzel. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's hard to believe that Denzel wasn't the first choice from the studio and people were doubting that he could do it. You know, because he worked with Spike Lee on other films like I think Mo Better Blues. Like it's, it's him and Spike Lee it's kind of like Leonardo DiCaprio and Scorsese. Right. Or, you know, those two, like the actor and the director that just go hand in hand, like Denzel and Spike Lee go hand in hand. And they've been on like countless films they worked on together. And, you know, as a director, if you stand your ground and you believe in something and you say, no, this is the person I want, this is going to work. Even when you have a lot of people right. saying that's not going to work, you don't know what you're doing, you're crazy. That in itself is a lesson for directors. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. And also too, like I said, the transformation alone, where you go from this two-bit hustler to handing mm-hmm. in prison, trying to survive prison, and then also too, spending 10 days in a hole mm-hmm. because he wasn't going to do what any of the other police officers told him to do. He was still in that mindset. And then once he gets out of the hole, that's whenever he winds up talking to one of the other Muslim uh, people to try and convert him into being a Muslim. And at that mm-hmm. time, you know, he's young. At that time, Malcolm was probably young. He's like, eh, I don't want to hear from you. I just want to go ahead, bang women, do what I always do and everything, do my time and move on with my life because that's what I want to do. You know? Yeah. And yeah, also, too, we, I like the other part, though, where, remember when they're getting the sentence and his friend is uh, <laughs> thinking that they're going to do at least 100 years? Yeah, yeah they had to explain to him. <laughs> <laughs> I was oh, like, he was God. dead before he even got in prison. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but they said their real crime was just being with white women. That's why they got such a harsher sentence. Right. This is as bad as the ice cream thing. I know they keep on bringing up Judas See, and the Black I'm Messiah, you, but... I'm telling you, John, I'll, I'm just teaching white people. Just trying to make y'all better. Right. <laughs> well, you're making me better, I'll tell you that. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Because <laughs> I am learning like, a lot. Semi-woke. 
not like too woke because then we won't have a show. Right. But, you exactly. know, just like a, a smidget woke. What do you right. think about the scenes or, or how Lee did it where you, you have these flashbacks of Malcolm's childhood? I love the flashbacks. To me, I thought it added something to it. And also, too, uh, the teacher got on my nerves. Oh, God, yeah. The the teacher, he's like, yeah. Well, we can't, you can't, we can't teach you that. Yeah, because yeah, it's not. You can't be a you. lawyer because sure. you're black, and you should mm-hmm. just be a carpenter because Jesus was a carpenter. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm it's thinking like, to myself, what? I'm like, yeah, that was Jesus' path. That doesn't mean that it has to be my path. Yeah, Either. and it's like, then he's turning around. And he's like. You, you know, um, but you're never, I, you know, I'm the, I'm just gonna say, in, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he's like, you know, we have plenty of good ends that are, um, that are carpenters. That's a good job for you, but you'll never be a lawyer. I'm like, what the mm-hmm. hell? Yeah, I'm like, so yeah. you're gonna tell me what I can and can't be, right? Uh, so yes. that's that's your job, right? I've no. had that. <laughs> happened to me with guidance counselors in high school and I know my mom had it happen because she grew up like during the civil rights era and I think she wanted to be a, a RN like a registered nurse mm-hmm. just like the highest nursing right. tier you can be but they told her no you you know you should just be an LPN because your grades in science aren't that great and she she listened to him, you know. She's like, "It's my guidance counselor; they know what's best." And like all these years later, like she's still an LPN. She has like the knowledge of an RN and the knowledge of a doctor. Mm-hmm. And then the RN and doctors come to her, and like, "Hey, what should we do?" <laughs> you know, right? But she doesn't have that that degree. And she all these years, she's like, "I wish I would have just went to get." the REN and not listen to my guidance counselor in high school. Right. It's like all about... guidance counselors can like mess up your career path. Definitely. Because I know I had some that were really bad guidance counselors. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. And I'm and you know, I, it's all about learning. It's like if I knew now what I knew back then, I wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's exactly what your mom's going through is the emotions of the fact that I shouldn't have listened to them. I should have went with my heart and my gut rather than going off of them because what do they know, really know about me? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, I think that's why my mom pushes education on me and my sister so much. Like when people were telling my sister, you know, why you want to go to law school? I mean, it's not for you. <laughs> it was, it was semi-Malcolm, right. you know, and my mom told my sister, you better go to law school, you better do it. You know, it's it's like if you, because Malcolm didn't have it, you better do it. He just had his counselor or teacher. You know, he never had anybody telling him anything positive. Right. You and that's and his mom was too missed. busy trying to struggle just to, to put food on the table for the kids because his dad got murdered. Right. But she did whatever she had to do and everything. He just needed somebody to have a positive influence in his life. But yeah, I thought the whole entire flashbacks worked for me. I thought it uh, added in those layers into who the, who he was as a man whenever he was just a hustler, mm-hmm. you know? 
And it was refreshing too. too. Sorry, John. It, I just want to say it was refreshing because usually with films, you see them as kids first, right? It starts mm-hmm. with the flashback as kids, and then it kind of transitions as to adults. I think it's refreshing to have like that flashback in between. Me too. Me too. I think yeah. it adds a layer to something that we haven't seen. I wish that more films would do that. To be honest with you. But mm-hmm. remember whenever this other white woman was going to try to adopt Malcolm and everything and saying that he was a delinquent and he steals and he lies. Oh, was that a social 12. worker? Yeah. Oh, man. Did you hear what he said? He, like, if when you get a chance to read the book, he has, like, this whole thing about social workers and the system and how it just messes up kids and how the system of like the social work system and welfare should change. Mm-hmm. Like he was just on a rant in his autobiography. That was you, just a snippet you, of it, what you saw. Right. And you see, I can actually, he has every right to actually feel that way because of the, how the system actually did him. So I can't blame him for acting the way he did and having stuff against him because of the fact that he went through that thing with the, um, you know, the, what's the word? Yeah, the, the, the social worker. Yeah, the social worker. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I can definitely, I, I don't blame him at all for that, to be honest with you. I mean, I would write a whole entire, probably five, uh, more than five pages on it <laughs> because that's how yeah. much it affected me. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And just the innocence of what he said when he was a kid, like he thought not for sale was the brand of a flower. Like, as a kid, you don't know how poor you are, you know, because you think this is just normal. Exactly. Because we're seeing... pretty cool. Right, because we're only seeing a small picture. We don't see the big picture Mm -hmm. until we're adults on where we came from. Yeah. As kids, we think that our parents have all this money and everything else, and you don't see the struggle that they're going through the, and everything uh-huh. and the blood, sweat and tears are trying to put dinner on the table. We only see a small little snippet because we're young. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know growing up, we always had fried chicken and I was like, damn, I'm so sick of fried chicken. Man. It's like every Friday we have this fucking fried chicken. What the hell? Can we have anything else besides fucking fried chicken? And it's like, I want some McDonald's. I don't want you to make it. it which reminds me of that joke of Eddie Murphy and Delirious. And I laugh because that was my childhood experience. Because Eddie Murphy said he went to his mom and was like, Mom, I want some McDonald's. And his mom's like, what you need McDonald's for? I can make better burgers than McDonald's. And so his mom <laughs> made like this big clump of ground beef like burger and put like the sandwich bread on top in the bottom. And he says a big fat onion hanging off and then <laughs> some ketchup. <laughs> and when you press into the bread, you see the pink. And I was oh, like, God. that's my childhood, Eddie. <laughs> that's you know, my, my childhood. Grand- it was that and fried chicken. <laughs> you know what? My grandmother was like this, though, too. What restaurant are you eating at? I'm eating over here at Bonadino's. Because I can make the same thing here that I can at Bonadino's. And I'm like, nah. 
<laughs> it ain't never the same. And it was no. like, Mom, this is square bread. Madonna had round bread, sesame seeds. <laughs> Worst uh, McDonald's ever. <laughs> but yeah, I, just, I definitely. Everything he described was down to the T. I was like, yes, Eddie, say my pain. <laughs> I might have liked it at your house, though. I like fried chicken. <laughs> Man, every Friday, fried freaking chicken. I was like, dang, man, I'm tired of being poor. <laughs> but then you, you know, you go back as an adult, you're like, it's good that you had something on the table because some kids right. were poorer than me. We were just broke, not poor. Right. Then you start to see the difference, you know? Right. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh... What else do you have? That you, um, that you... Throughout the film, you could, um, like, Malcolm's dad was revolutionary because he was following what they call Garveyism. Marcus Garvey uh, was this, like, revolutionary leader who talked about the Back to Africa movement and Blacks buying their own, having their own businesses and whatnot. So his dad was really into that. And his dad was preaching all of this stuff. And I like the fact, well, I don't like the fact that his house was burned as a child mm. uh, by the clan who was threatened by his dad, the preacher. Mm-hmm. And his dad, my favorite line, his dad said, you take these bullets for them sheep. Yep. He's like, pow-pow. I was like, yes, dad, hit them. <laughs> <laughs> And, I got you know too what, excited though, about his, that. His part. dad was gangster, though. His dad was full oh, on gangster. Man. Yeah, like, and then that BS they did, where it's like, oh, your your husband just fell on a streetcar and it ran over him. Like, how you just accidentally <laughs> fall on the streetcar and then it, it run over you? I think they were trying to blame public grunkness, but the way yeah. it was worded was he just happened to fall in, you know. No, lie. No. Like his mom said, lie all lies all the time. (laughs) But yeah, with that absence of a father throughout the film, you can see that every um, positive male filled in a role as a father figure. You know, like uh, West, oh, it's West Indian Archie. That's his name. The the gangster guy. Yeah. That was like a father figure to him when he took him shopping for, for suits. And he dressed them up, and then he taught them how to wear his gun and how to dress. And he was just right. looking at him. He's like, this is my first gun. Now it's yours. And you see the appreciation in his eyes. Like, wow, thanks. <laughs> and then um, the guy in prison that converted him to Islam, um, that was like a father figure to him. And then Elijah Muhammad was a father figure where right. he, when he met him, he couldn't really stand up straight. He was kind of like about scrunched down like a kid, you right? Know? Um, Another so thing I want to see all these male, like positive males, filling in the role mm-hmm. of his father. Exactly. That's something I wanted to mention. Was I feel like Malcolm was trying to find his dad in these oh, figures. Yeah. <clears throat> That's what he was doing, but you know, he, he doesn't. Re- he didn't see the realization of the damage that some of these males would have actually happened to have on them, you know? Yeah, yeah, and all the males are imperfect, too. Like, 
you know, like West Indy and Archie, you know, that he wasn't perfect. No. Um, then he, you know, when they had that falling out and when he converted, you know, he started preaching in the temple. I like the fact that he went back to West Indy and Archie. And, you know, he wasn't doing well. And that transformation in that actor was mm-hmm. really great. I forgot his Definitely. name. He played on Gone in, in 60 Seconds, to be honest He's with in you. every movie, just like Samuel Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, but yeah, his transformation is West Indian Archie, where you see him in his suit and he's up, his back is straight and he's confident to him just having a, I think he had a stroke. And just like sickly, you know, that's that's some yep. acting right there. But I like that relationship Malcolm kept with West India Archie in the film where he visited him when he was sick. Me too. I, I definitely thought that love was that. really awesome. Yeah. Uh, his the actor's name is Delroy Lindo. Oh man, he is incredible. And he is in I everything. I'm gonna say this though. I love that how even though they had a fallen out. Malcolm still wanted to take care of him. Yeah, was like, he, was he wanted like, to bury the hatchet. I wasn't gonna shoot you. He was like, I wasn't gonna shoot you, man. Then my rep was online. I was like, how pulled him though? I would have <laughs> ran too. <laughs> Me too. I would have jumped out that window just like Malcolm would have. Well, first off, I wouldn't have betrayed him and tried to lie. Right. Because <laughs> he was Bobby no. in that. Exactly. He's like, okay, how can I get 50 grand? And this is just an example. I'm just throwing some money figures. Mm-hmm. How can yeah, I get yeah. 50 grand out of Archie? I know what I'll do. I'll go on ahead and bluff and say that um, he he owes me 50 grand when he doesn't owe me 50 grand because mm-hmm. I have all the numbers in my head. But yeah. he also forgot that Archie also has all the numbers in his head. So therefore, you can't bullshit someone else. That's what he told him. You can't bullshit mm-hmm. a bullshitter. No. And uh, he's crazy. Definitely. <laughs> but nuts. I do. But here's the thing, though. I do love the back and forth with Archie, though. I, and I like the transformation of Malcolm, though. Remember when he gets out of prison, he sees one of his old buddies that he used to be gangsters with. He goes, Hey, Malcolm, let's go on ahead and bang some girls. Let's go on ahead and uh, do what we used to do. He goes, Nah, man, let me just tell you about uh, Islam. He's like, What? <laughs> yeah yeah when he wrote all his people and but you see it was good that he went to jail because all the people he ran with they didn't do so well like their life caught up with them like one of them died no. one of them went to a mental institution for being hooked on heroin right um West Indian Archie had a couple strokes like that life catch up to you so it was definitely good. It was a good path that he went to jail. It was. It definitely was. It definitely helped him. And also, too, the transformation, like I mentioned, it's like all of a sudden you become a Christian, and then all of a sudden you, all the guys that you're not not being Christian with wants you back in their circle again. And like, nah, man, I can't. I, I But let me tell you about this. You're like, nah, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm just gonna go keep on doing what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You go ahead like, and have fun. <laughs> Spike, Spike Lee in this film as the friend is is really good. He did a pretty good job. You know, he, he did enough where he didn't take away from Denzel, which no. I don't think anybody can take away from Denzel. Like, we mentioned in, like, the film The Little Things. Like, Denzel still is a great actor. 
even with a crappy script, like the little things. <laughs> right. He still tries to make it work, no matter what. Man, like, and like Rami Malik, I was like, man, you gotta have to bring it. This is Denzel, man. Right. You have to be on you, his caliber. You ain't. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just focused. I just forgot all about you, Rami. I was like, Denzel, Denzel. Rom- oh, Rami's in this movie too. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot about you, man. You're gonna have to come up, represent. right? And his son is getting better. Like his son, John David Washington, which is like the greatest name ever. <laughs> it's so American. Um, right. His son. Uh, when I first saw his son in um, Black Klansman, he was. To me, he appeared kind of stiff on the screen. But the more movies I see him in, the more his acting gets better and better. Mm. I'm definitely going to have to check out Tenet still. I still haven't done that yet. So that's going to be something that's going to be on my list. Uh, You let me know if you can make sense of it. Because I don't know. I've seen Tenet. And I was like, I still don't know what's going on. But he's a good actor. That's how okay. I felt about Inception, and it took me about twelve times, and I was like, "Okay, I get it, I get it, I get Inception." That's how I felt with the Matrix too. That's actually how I felt with the Matrix. <sighs> the Matrix, it, I could get, I can get into the Matrix. It's just the other films after that got confusing. Right. I was like, "What True. is this?" <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, you were saying yeah. about. Um, Spike though not overshadowing Mel. Um, oh yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, I just said Mel- really good. Yeah, see, <laughs> every time that we see Denzel, we think about Malcolm. <laughs> right, but that's you know, how I didn't good he like was. He was. He definitely was. You can definitely tell though that he gave him enough screen time to do what he needed to do. He gave him a lot to do with the script. And also, too, sharing the screen with the director can also be hard, though, too. It could actually take the audience out of the movie. To me, this just amplified it even more. Yeah, yeah, especially uh, if the director is is in basically half the movie with you. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Which is odd, you know. But I, I read that Denzel, because I think Denzel does the method act. Yeah, so he's a method he actor. Was, actor. He was getting into like like the the Muslim way. And he like stopped eating pork, and he was starting to read the principles, and he was just trying to get into the mindset of a Muslim, uh, right? So that he could do Malcolm Justice. Exactly. So he and got also- really really deep into it. He did. He got real deep into it and everything mm-hmm. else. The transformation of that when we get finally when he meets the person that's actually in charge of it. Um, how do you say his name again? I keep on uh, Elijah, Elijah Muhammad. Elijah Muhammad. Okay. When he finally meets Elijah Muhammad, like you said, he looked like a child just sitting there, kind of stiff, like oh, yeah. <laughs> where he couldn't barely move, and he's supposed to be this great figure and everything. And Malcolm is just pleased to meet him, excited to meet him, and everything else, and, you know, you can definitely tell that Elijah definitely liked him, liked Malcolm, he thought he spoke from the heart at the very start of it, and that was until Malcolm started on everything else that... Yeah, and then you can see, like, the 
I didn't mean to cut you off. Sorry. No, 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 no. I mean, I mean, my point on that. I'm just hyped about this movie because <laughs> it's one of my favorite, and it's in AFI top 100. I think it's probably in the Library of Congress too. It's just like up there. But um, you, I lost my point because I got so into all the accolades <laughs> and the awards that this won. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, John. I come back. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> But the total transformation of Elijah was something to at hand, though, too. You go from Malcolm being friends with Elijah to breakly, breaking bread with Elijah to Elijah just hating on him because of everything that Malcolm is saying and putting a split uh, between um, the Muslim nation and also, two between Elijah and everything. To the point where it's like, okay, this guy's making too much noise now. Something's got to be done. Yeah, yeah. And if you, you know? um, if you look at um, who murdered Malcolm X, I think it's a documentary on Netflix that goes into it too. Just like how there was jealousy in the, in the nation. You know, like people, like rumors were spread. You know, like Malcolm thinks he hot shit. You know, he's trying to speak for mouth Elijah and he thinks he all that, but he ain't shit. You know, I didn't, they right. didn't say that, but that was the, that was the rumblings. Yeah, right. basically. And it was amazing. It's like, yeah, all right, he found it. Hello? Hello. Okay. I keep Sorry. forgetting to turn off my um, iPhone mom. It's okay. She's like cutting me off, but she okay. can't. She can't handle the truth, John. She can't handle no, the truth. She can't handle Malcolm. <laughs> no, she ain't. She ain't gonna shut me off this time. No, not this but time. But anyway, no. So, yeah. What's going? But um, <laughs> yeah. She, but yeah, you could see all of that happening, and it's like, man, what is going on? You know, I thought, and I don't. I guess because it's Malcolm's journey. And you get so invested, you like. Well, I thought we were doing fine. That's what. That's how I see. It. I was like, I thought we were doing fine. You know, we speaking for the nation. We talking. We doing this. And now y'all trying to get on me. What's going on? You know, I'm trying to help y'all out. <laughs> I'm bringing people in the temple. What? Exactly. Oh, uh-uh, I don't want that. You know what? I kept your secret. And you coming out to me like this, brother? What? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. Um, and then also too, another thing too is he Elijah didn't like um uh, him talking about JFK. Either. Oh man, that was kind of that was kind of harsh though. <laughs> he said that. Yeah, it was. Boom, chickens come home to roost, motherfuckers. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, you're going to have to be silent. I'm sorry. You right. right. I went too far. I went too far. Yep. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, because he like, you know, we don't need the FBI digging in our business, you know, because the, the nation owns uh, businesses in Harlem. Right. And they also own all too. this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you keep talking about the president and all that other stuff. They're going to be digging into our taxes and our stuff because I don't think they pay taxes. Right? Because it's a religious no. organization. And yeah. it's like, you got to be don't... quiet now with all this JFK stuff. They're going to look into our stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, because you're affecting our money. 
<laughs> right. But not only that, but think of it like this. You don't know who killed JFK in the, uh, and then trying to investigate everything. Mm-hmm. So it could actually connect them to Malcolm could have actually accidentally connect them to that murder. And oh. that could also put a negative aspect into what Elijah was trying to build. So I look yeah. at it from that angle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that too. That too. And another fun fact that I just found out. Um, uh, you know, when there was like that preacher's role and there was like Malcolm was talking and then it was all these street preachers were yeah. talking too. Um, so the first street preacher that you see is Bobby Seale, who is one of the co-founders of the Black Panthers. Oh, wow. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah, I had a look at the IMBD. I was like, Bobby Seale, dang, that's living history, you know. And then you see Al Sharpton when he was fat and bloated. But now he like the bobblehead. But he's still oh my the God. truth. <laughs> he's still the truth, though. I'm he's glad I'm not the, the only one that said he's a bobblehead. I'm so glad. He's still the truth, though. He's still the truth. You know, but I just, you know, it just looks kind of weird. But anyway, uh, yeah, you start to see those street preachers. And I think that's how it was in Harlem. You had, like, all these preachers. Um, you know, right. and then, like, as a Christian, it's like Malcolm making sense, but no, not no, you not that one, not that far, not that far. But he kind of right. making sense, but no, I ain't going all the way there, Malcolm. But I like you, but no, no, no. Well, remember <laughs> when he's out in the church trying to recruit everybody? He's like, "Come on, brother, come on, come on, sister." I, you know, you pray, you stand, you sit, you kneel for this God. You're waiting for him to come. He's already here. Come on down. Uh, let me talk about it, uh, Elijah. Let me go on ahead. He's right here, live and in person. We can go on ahead. Let's go. Come on down. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, nah, yeah, nah, yeah. Nah. Yeah. And and you he's see like, the no. differences a little bit between Christianity and Islam. Like, mm-hmm. you would think, oh, what's the difference? It's the same. And yet, it can, it's, some elements are the same, but to, to, um, to Muslims, I think God is Allah. Mm-hmm. And Elijah Muhammad is like would be like Jesus God. on earth. He would exactly. be like Jesus on earth, basically. That's why he's held in such high regards. Right. Um, because like even the throne that walking, he has. Yeah, living walking Jesus on earth. You know, and if you go mm-hmm. against Muhammad, Elijah, then it's like you're gonna have to be put down. That's like going against Jesus. Exactly, you know? because Remember what he told Malcolm. He's like, you know, I'm gonna have to uh, go ahead and reframe you for twenty for ninety days, mm-hmm. and everything because of this mess that you caused with the whole JFK issue. So guess what? You're gonna have to um, your repentance is gonna be repenting for ninety days without mm-hmm. talking, yeah, and no form of media, no form of anything. The only people mm-hmm. you can talk to is your family, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. And basically, and, uh, basically, that's ahead. just killing. Basically, if you think about it, that's like a spiritual death to Malcolm. Oh yeah, it is because his his voice is everything to him, and you silencing him is like a part of me died, you know. And then you start to hear these rumblings, like these people come to him, like uh, I think midway through the movie. 
They was like, Brother Malcolm, they told me to cut your wires in your car. Like, I was like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, what? Yeah, it was the, <laughs> like, uh, what? What was, whoa, whoa. Yeah, it was supposed to be like his right hand man. And yeah, like, okay. And that was uh, Elijah's son, one of Elijah's sons. And he's like, I can't separate you from your dad. He's like, but you're my father. And then you see that flip too, that other people see Malcolm as a father figure too. Right. And also too, he's like, you know, I was supposed to put a bomb under your car. And as soon as you turned it on and turned the ignition on, I was supposed to blow it up. Damn. And then at that point, that's when Malcolm turns around and goes, I appreciate you telling me this, but you're going to have to leave and never come back to my house. Yeah, I'd be like, I appreciate you telling me this. And can you just speak into the microphone so I can take <laughs> this to the cops? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Which they wouldn't believe anyway, because Hoover... Hoover, Hoover had it Hoover. out for Malcolm. Yep. And then he had it out for he tied wiretap Malcolm and Martin and the Panthers. Basically every black leader. He just wiretapped right. all of them. Exactly. So I, I, I'm surprised he didn't. I think he probably somehow did he wiretap the nation? I don't think he could get in because the nation is that security is tight. You know. Right. And I think too, Spike Lee had some of the uh, the fruit of his uh, like some of the members from that as bodyguards while he was making this film. I find that interesting, though, to be honest with you, how Those he was are able like to travel. The best bodyguards you can ever have because they ain't letting nothing get past them. They're like, "What's that? Oh, that's just the wind, brother. That's just the wind." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, <laughs> oh man um, <laughs> but you know what though I another aspect I liked about this film was you know you, you're you on the edge of your seat because you're wondering what's gonna what's gonna happen to Malcolm what's gonna happen with Elijah what's gonna happen with everything else you know and that's something I really liked was the fact this felt like a biopic but at the same time it's more of a a political thriller, in a sense. Oh yeah, totally. And uh, everything, especially at the scene at the airport. Uh, not the airport. Uh, the, especially the scene, um, in the hotel, where he's having to keep quiet on the phone and everything because number one, there's wiretapping. Number two, you have people that are looking for him, so they they kill him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's getting it from all sides. He don't know if the nation gonna kill him. He don't know if the FBI gonna come out to him. He don't know nothing, and and you could um you could see in Judas and the Black Messiah that Fred Hampton in the film was listening to Malcolm's speeches. Definitely. So there's a correlation well, there too. You know what though? I like how this connects to that though, to that. Mm-hmm. Because it connects in a huge way, where it's like a shared universe within this whole entire thing, if you think about it, um, because of the history and the timeline with it. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, each person was going through their own trials, their own tribulations during this time, period, mm-hmm. to the yeah. point where it was a huge movement. And uh, speaking of movements, the scene where this one black guy who never got a chance to come home. And got arrested, but he was never seen coming out of the out of the um, oh, yeah. police station. 
and then you have people that are protesting and then whenever the cops said okay you guys need to go on ahead and go home right now or else there's going to be problems Malcolm just snaps his fingers and then turns and all of a sudden they bow face and they leave and then mm-hmm. one of the cops look at the other cops and goes that's just too much power for one man and yeah that it was brought me back Peter Peter Boyle yep it brought me back over to the whole Fred uh, thing from Black Panther where he, they felt like he had too much power where he was uniting oh, yeah. different people. And this also felt like that. I'm like, okay. And this is, all of a sudden, I become like a, um, what's, the th- oh, what's the thing I'm thinking of? Theorist. Uh, conspiracy theorist. Oh, oh yeah. I'm like, next thing you know, my mind is like, maybe the government killed him because they felt like maybe he had too much power. And this is oh, my mind wow. just going and my wheels just turning, you know? But no. But no. half of the things that people have been saying out here in the streets as comp- right. conspiracy theorists, I'm like, hmm, it, it is true. It, it was true all along. I think right. that maybe it was some of his own people plus the FBI. Kind of like right. what they did with Hampton, how they had infiltrators. Right. right. I'm thinking I it was more think. of a, I'm thinking it's Elijah. To be honest with you, because remember, whenever they oh, throw the cocktails I ain't in his home, I don't want Farrakhan coming out to me. <laughs> hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know what? You know I come in peace. You know what? I, what? I, you know what? Farrakhan, I, I like Farrakhan. <laughs> Farrakhan is my man. <laughs> don't hurt me. <laughs> but it just makes sense to me because think of it like this uh, they throw the cocktails into Malcolm's home, Malcolm's coming out. Then it breaks into the whole entire uh, interview of the news reporters. And it goes into the other side of things. It breaks away from Malcolm for a minute and it goes into Elijah's people. And they and basically they're saying this is just some publicity stunt that maybe Malcolm has done to make mm. himself more popular. And Dang. basically it's saying one point for us, zero points for Malcolm. Yeah, yeah. What you mean when they bombed his house and that scene yeah. where it shot yep. back to his dad and they mm-hmm. uh, set his house on fire? Yeah, man, that was a good correlation between the two that they were going through. Both of Me them too. Were going through this tragedy of bombing homes, bombing. You know, and if you go into um, who killed Malcolm, I think his home was paid for by the nation. And mm-hmm. then the nation was like, you're going to have to go. And he was Definitely. like, what? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's <laughs> like, I'm on the street. I got nowhere to go. Man. It's just deep. It's, it's, it's deep. Man. He's I'm like, I'm, he's like, I'm Malcolm X. I'm King Kong, basically. You know like, saying? you ain't but, We the nation. <laughs> right. I was like, whoa, man. Oh. And what about, like, the pilgrimage he made, like, like every Muslim, from what I understand, has to make a pilgrimage to the homeland. Right. It's kind of like Christians. You don't have to go, but you kind of want to go to Jerusalem, like do the footsteps. Right. That's kind of right. how it is with Muslims. They want to go to Mecca to do the footsteps mm-hmm. of Muhammad, not Elijah Muhammad, but the Muhammad, Muhammad, like the first like prophet. The prophet. Yeah. Right. So they they want to go do the footsteps of him. Um, and 
uh, I think one of the movie facts I read was this was the first film crew to travel to Mecca to do that shot because Spike really wanted to travel to Mecca to do that shot. But they had to have um, a Muslim film crew. Right, and also bodyguards. Yeah, entered into it because no Muslim could enter into that um, temple and all those places because it's sacred. Exactly. And that's the thing that I found so interesting because at that time, don't forget, it was a split between uh, Elijah and him. So now he's branching off and doing his own thing and learning the Muslim way versus how Muhammad was teaching him. And I also Mm -hmm. like the fact, too, how it goes into a flashback, too, where it goes into him finding a wife and Muhammad was telling him, look, the wife has to be so much, uh, so so much, so much taller than the other person. Oh yeah, the I person that you that. choose, the light coloredness and stuff like that. Uh-huh. No. And the funny thing is, Malcolm wasn't the first person to ask her that. It was another prophet from that side that asked her the same questions that Malcolm was asking, and she pretty much called about his own BS, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Well, what was well, Angela Bassett as Betty was great. Mm-hmm. When you look at the real pictures of Betty, she is thick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she is not skinny. And I was no. like, yes, Malcolm. Yes, one point for the thick girls. Malcolm's <laughs> like, this is my thick wife and I love her. <laughs> right. And you see, I thought that Betty, I thought this version of Betty was a lot better, like I mentioned before, compared to what we got with um, One Night in Miami. Well, that's know? how she really looked. Though. Look, right, right. I but as far as the acting level and everything goes, I felt like it was better, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but also with One Night in Miami, I think the focus was mostly on the, the men. Mm. So she's, she didn't really have to do much, the actress, because she was right. like a side character. And right. more to focus on the men. Right. And this movie is on Malcolm and then they ties into Betty. And the kids. And I, I know that, you know, Betty was a consultant on this film. This film right. came out in 92. Mm-hmm. Um, but she died, I think it, it was in the late 90s or early 2000s. Because her, her grandson, I think, set a house on fire with her in it. Which was weird. The way she died was weird. Um but I, I don't know if the rest of his kids are alive, Malcolm's kids, but I know one of his daughters is a professor and she was she wrote a book about her dad and I saw her interview on this radio show called The Breakfast Club, which was like I think she interviewed like two weeks ago. So and she looks just like her dad, of course, especially because she has like, when she has a black rim glasses I'm like, whoa, that's like your dad, you know. And and she was just talking about how her dad was seeing like Black Lives Matter now and and the movement and all that other stuff. Um, so yeah, she's she's amazing. Like his daughter is really amazing. And I could I could expect nothing less from his children than to be professors or lawyers. <laughs> like and you know what? in the grocery store, I'm like, you are a disgrace. I'm just kidding. But yeah, Betty actually died in 1997 of June. 
on twenty eighth, okay. June twenty third of nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't believe how much those kids resemble Malcolm, like you mentioned yeah. before, especially yeah. the daughter who who has the glasses, just like Malcolm and everything else. Mm-hmm. It's, That's it's, like Martin Luther King's kids. I think it's only two that are living now. Um, they look just like they dance. Oh wow! I I, met, I have a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> I met Martin Luther King the <laughs> third, <laughs> and uh, when I was working at Public, and um, he came in because I didn't know who he was at first, and I was like, "They got a little familiar," and I was like serving him chicken, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And then somebody was like, do you know who that is? I was like, no, nah, he looked for me. That Martin Luther King III. I was like, what? <laughs> and that was like my only interaction with him. That's pretty cool, though, that you have like a, a little interaction with a historical fi- uh, yeah. figure. In a sense. Yeah, chicken bridge the gap between history. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they gotta eat. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but that's, that's oh cool my god yeah yeah it was it was a brush with history over fried chicken but let's talk about now the assassination part of the film which is the tearjerker of the film man yeah it that was because the the way Spike Lee did where you know you see the doom and gloom like he didn't know something's in the air, um, and and I I don't mean to do a correlation between Martin and Malcolm, but for me they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was watching King in the Wilderness. It's on um, HBO, I believe. It's like the documentary of, you know, like all the trials King went through in his transition, and they were just showing pictures of him in the later life, and he just looked like doom and gloom was on his face like his 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 whole demeanor was like just downcast and you can see that um with Malcolm too in this film leading up to the assassination um and that scene I don't know what that is but it's like you know it's 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 in Spike Lee's films where he had those people kind of it's like they're walking but they're also like riding some type of is it a dolly or something you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It looks like That's a dolly. That's like in all of Spike Lee's films now. Hmm. That's something I, I knew. That was pretty cool. Um, where he was just walking and you just see this doom and gloom. And, mm-hmm. and then this lady, this old lady, like, baby, what's wrong? And that's when it stopped. <laughs> you know? Right. But, you know, I, you know, I mentioned this back on uh, One Night in Miami where Malcolm had that feeling that his life was about to end. He didn't know yeah. when, but there was this time that he actually feels like, you know, his time's about to end. And that's exactly how he felt towards the end of this film. He knew he was up to his final days, I think. I think he knew he pushed it too, further than what he, when other people thought he would push it, you know? Yeah. And yeah, him coming back from that pilgrimage, like I said, changed everything. And then he did his break, like, I'm going to do my own temple. Because mm-hmm. um, I've seen brothers of different shades, like blue eyes and, and blonde hair, and they're Muslim. And I thought it was just black people only. Right. And that's and, also goes yeah. to the whole thing, too, where remember the very beginning, where he's like, Well, 
this one white woman tells him and goes, you know, I'm a white woman. I'm not prejudiced and everything. How can I help? You can't. And then <laughs> he changes. And you can tell she wants to go into that meeting, uh, that uh, conference that he's in, but then hesitates mm-hmm. and walks back. Because she's like, okay, maybe why should I be there whenever I'm not welcomed kind of thing. Yeah. And then he changes his tune when he goes back, uh, comes back and everything. He's like, look, white people can uh, tell us how they feel, but they're not allowed to actually attend a conference, not allowed to do much within our unit until we can be unified as one. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, that. Like I said, that tune was changed too, where he was like, um, "White whites can, like you said, join us, sorta, or well, participate, but they can't join." Yeah, that's it. Because we, as black people, got to get ourselves together first, and then they can come and potentially and join us. Right, because remember, we actually had a lot of, you know, African American crime against crime on one end. Then you also have. Uh, prostitution, which we saw at the very beginning of the film, and there's a lot of stuff that Malcolm saw that they needed to fix, and he was, and you know what, it goes back to that Sam Cooke thing where he's like, what are you doing for us as a community? What are you doing for us as a whole when mm-hmm. it looks when your music? And with this whole entire movement that he's doing, he's like questioning his own MO and saying, what am I doing with this movement? How can I improve my own people? And that's what I got out of that. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, and we we skipped the one crucial part that uh, pivoted Malcolm a little bit when he found out Elijah was fathering women out of wedlock. Oh yeah, <laughs> he was yep. stressing the fact that all his Muslims had to be married. <clears throat> and at first, he was like, "Well, you know, it's not. How can you believe these people?" Because Betty was like, "What do you mean? They tell him the truth." He like, "Nah, Betty, you lie, you lie." This is coming from the devil newspaper. Yeah, and he found out and they were like, eh, nobody's perfect. I'm like, nobody's perfect? What? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> right. And but anyway, also, back to, yeah, go ahead. Then Elijah's also doing some messed up stuff behind Malcolm's back though too to the point where Malcolm can't trust him which is also why he went on that trip to begin with as well. That was that division that I mentioned. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he definitely found himself more um, when he came back from that trip, and I'm glad he went to that trip, too. Uh, of course, you can see in the background, the FBI was tailing him. So the FBI was there, too. <laughs> like, tracking yep. his moves. Like, what is he up to? What he doing? You know. And he even mentions that to Betty, though, too, because I have two white men that are following mm-hmm. me. I don't know what, I think that might be CIA. And I also like how it breaks into the perspective of the CIA where it's going into their 7mm camera and telling it the story from their angle a little bit and then cutting out from that and then going back over to Malcolm. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I also have to talk about this one scene where Malcolm was in Mecca and he's in his temple. And there's like, it's just him in his temple. And you know, he's on the red carpet, you know, bowing. And you see all these lights around him. Like, I, I guess that would be a wide shot. But that yeah, seems that was... pretty incredible. 
Yeah, it's like a wide shot to let you see everything that's going on within the characters on the movements of the characters and what they're doing. Yeah, that thing's really incredible. Just just being the first film crew to, to we get to see too. It, we get to explore Mecca as well as the audience. Like We get to see things that no film crew has seen at that time. You get to see inside the temple. Um, you get to see the pyramids. You know, right. like we, we took a little journey too to Mecca. Exactly. And also too, I felt like I was watching a National Geographic Exactly. Uh, that's what I felt like. I felt like I was watching a National Geographic uh, thing on that on Mecca. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. I was like, wow, I want to go to Egypt, you know, and things settle down. Like, I want to see the pyramids. Me too. I would love to see yeah. the pyramids. But you know me, I'm a big nerd when it comes down to history as well as um, Egyptian, Greek mythology, things like that. So um, that would be something yes, on my John. bucket list. I am too, as you know. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so going back, getting back to like the, the sad ending of Malcolm X. Um, so, you know, you you see how tense he is and he's just like yelling at people and he's like, I'm sorry. You know, and people are like, hey, you know, why don't you just rest? They'll understand. He's like, no, you know, I'm here. I'm going to do this speech. People are looking forward. You know, and you see all these these it looks like omens to me, you know, mm-hmm. like the like the the person that was supposed to speak dropped out, and then he ain't feeling well, and then he's like, "No, I just gotta keep going. I just gotta keep going. I just gotta do it." And I'm like, "Why don't you take a break? You haven't slept." He's like, "No, I just gotta do it." And I and I I wish sometimes I wish I can travel back in time to briefly to where like the moment these people are there. Like, I wish I can travel back in time and say, hey, Malcolm, why don't you just sit this out because this is what's going to happen to you. You mm-hmm. know, and I, I wish I can travel back in time with Martin and say, why don't you not go on that ledge? You know, in the Tennessee, right. the Laura, whatever that thing is called, motel. But, mm-hmm. but, but you know, alter mm-hmm. history, I guess. But I, like, I wish these men were around now. But I don't know. Oh. Let's see what we got. Let's see. We got a message. Let's see. I just like to take this time to say that if Tamika isn't elected president of the United States in the next eight years or so, every single citizen of America is guilty of treason. Hate you, Snark. But it's true. It's true. They are guilty. It's very true. Yeah, I tell you what, Snark. She has. I'm gonna remember. I'm gonna remember Snark, and he's gonna be like, um, um, something on my council when I'm president. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, my vote. Just letting you know. I don't know what he's gonna be, but I'm gonna find something for him on my council. (laughs) All right, and I'll be your representative. Oh, you're gonna be the vice president, John. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. All right, I got this. All right, cool. I like it. All right. I mean, I don't but, really want to be president because I don't want to look like some bloated grandma. <laughs> like it just, <laughs> it takes years. It just makes you look ugly. I'm like, man, I can't do. I gotta keep looking like I'm 25. You know, I'm not 25. Like I can't do that to myself. I love right, myself because... too much to be president. 
Well, perfect example. Look how young <laughs> Obama looked, and then man, Trump, he got well, he still looks good. Pretty... It's just that his <laughs> right. hair, his hair suffered. But right, his, his he still looked good. <laughs> <laughs> to everybody but, else, just look woo. But let's okay back to what you were saying though about uh, yeah, I I uh, wish that I could just I wish they were still here, and I think. Maybe if Malcolm and Martin were still here, they would probably be doing what like Al Sharpton is doing. You know, they'll probably be in the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say Malcolm will probably just be preaching. Um, I can see him books. preaching. I would taking I pictures. Want to say yeah, I would want to say Malcolm would probably be doing his own thing at his temple. Um and writing books, um, and maybe those two will get together and talk, but they'll still have that division between them, you know, beliefs, right? Um, but I think they they would, I think that's what they were doing. They would do if they were still alive. Yeah, I would definitely like to see what they would actually accomplish now. To be honest yeah. with you, it's kind of like these are public. John Lewis was alive and he was in. Uh, representative in Congress for Georgia. Yep. I think they would kind of do something like that, or they would write books, or they would be preaching, or they would have their own temples or whatever. Most definitely, I can definitely see Malcolm doing his uh, photography, you know, that he does, and also too, I can definitely see that anything that broke out, like how we had last year. I can definitely mm-hmm. see them being down there and trying to help the situation. Yes, and I would definitely be getting that autograph. Like, I would take my autobiography of Malcolm X and say, sir, can you sign this? It was life-changing. <laughs> and I would want Malcolm X to meet Denzel and like, hey, brother, you did a good job playing me. Oh, man, I did. Yeah, you did. Oh, snap, high five. Let's get some food. Like, <laughs> That's what I see in my head, but uh, of course, as we know from the movie, that didn't happen. No. Malcolm went out anyway, <clears throat> and um, you know he was, you know, greeting the audience, and he didn't even finish his speech. He no, he didn't. Even... Audience. He All he like, said hey, was "Awesome, my, my, I forgot. I can't uh, even say uh, that word. Um, uh, uh, no, Lakeum, something like that. The Lakeums, he lost. I messed it up. Sorry, anybody in the <laughs> Islam. Sorry, Don't feel that. bad. Don't feel bad. I messed that up too. I screwed that up. Alaikum. Alaikum. I think that. Uh, oh. Yeah. Anyway, we ain't Let's gonna see. do anything. No, I messed it up. Hey, yo. How you doing, man? Hey, Frenchie. I'm doing all right, man. Hey, How Frenchie. Bonjour, Frenchie. Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> Frenchie will be on my council too with Snark. Like we we definitely you know, need some Canadian president. blood on our council. To That's be right. He could do international affairs for me. Definitely. Yeah. Totally. Yep. <laughs> awesome. We got that right. straightened out. Cool. Yep, we did. Awesome. Awesome. And, and John's vice president, Frenchie. Yes, so. I am. I don't know if I can be president. I'm like, bitch, what? I'm trying to help the economy. Get out of my I can just see in the headline, 
Mrs. President says, bitch, what? (laughs) 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 Oh, we got a message. Yeah, I'll I'll be the the, the head person for, uh, I'll be the president of maple syrup uh, uh, products. No. That sounds good to me. That and hockey. I'm the president of hockey. All right. No. Hockey, yes. No, you're international affairs, so don't even try to change your title. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) <laughs> All right, I straightened him out. So anyway, <laughs> but yeah, um, the way he got shot at the end of it, I'm like, there is no need to shoot him that many times, you know. I mean, you—he's already down on the ground, he's already dead, and you're just shooting him repeatedly. Yeah, yeah, I was—I was trying to figure out these men that shot him and caused this diversion because it was all planned. Uh-oh, we got a son. Yeah, well, international affairs. I'm inter- internationally affairing hockey and maple syrup. Don't don't argue with me, Tamika. <laughs> you don't hey, want would... none of this, Frenchie, as I talk nope. to you from, from Georgia. You know what, don't hurt me. I still I fear actually, Frenchie. I would love to try Canadian uh, maple syrup, to be honest I with have. you. I it's, have. It's very sweet. I need to try It's sweeter it. than American syrup. Yeah, I just have log cabin. <laughs> Oh, man. I tried Canadian bacon before. Uh, I think it's it's pretty good. Yeah, Canadian bacon's good. I actually had that yeah. before. Yeah. But you are anyway, Frenchie is international affairs, and that's all I have to say because I'm the president. Okay. So okay, cool. <laughs> Got him straightened out. Anyway, yep. back to Malcolm Hicks. As <laughs> <laughs> he'll probably interrupt us again. Talking smack to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the funny thing is, Canadians don't eat Canadian bacon. We eat bacon strips. I do not understand why Canadian bacon is called Canadian bacon. It's an American thing, I guess. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I always thought that you guys always had strips. I never understood the context under. Canadian bacon, bacon either, to be honest yeah. with you. So, like, is that kind of like a form of racism, then? <laughs> like, na- nation is- nationism? Is it? Because you call I'm it done. Canadian bacon. Right? I guess. Anyway, Malcolm S got shot a lot of times. And there's, I, I always wondered, like, um, uh, was this a, a, a faction within the nations? Because if you look at um, Who Killed Malcolm X on Netflix, they talk about that Elijah told his followers, don't touch Malcolm. And they were claiming that these were like um, uh, like rebels, like a faction within the, is the nation that came up with this plan to kill Malcolm. Oh, damn. So I, I don't know about that. Yeah, I, that part I'm not too, too clear on. But definitely, you can see that all this was planned. You know, you got the guy jumping on, like, get your hand out of my pocket. You know, create a diversion. And then you got smoke bombs. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> then the crowd like, scatters. And then they come from the mist, and then they shoot them. And then the rest of the guys come, and then they shoot them again. I don't know. They must have shot him like 15 times. Yeah, they shot him with a uh, sawed-off shotgun, and then from the sawed-off oh, yeah. shotgun, they shot him with uh, Kruger, uh, which is a German um, pistol, oh, and then 
uh, they shot him with a lot of a lot of other uh, guns as well. Which I, yeah, that was brutal. Yeah, and just the following up on the footage um, from what I remember, they had a program the next day or that very day. They carried on with the program. Or something like that. After all, the bullet wound, the bullet shots were still in the wall. Like it is okay. like okay, well, you know, clean up the scene. All right, boom, you can still, you know. And the police, like when he left, like you know, when you watch Who Killed Malcolm X on Netflix, um, the police were like, eh, you know, because you wonder where are the cops, right? Should they be there? Like, should they guard the place? But they weren't there. No. If you notice that, uh-oh, who is this? Is this Frenchie again? Is it wrong that you're talking about bullet shots in in someone's body and I'm hungry for for bacon now? Uh, yeah, only your mind can go there. I'll tell you what, Frenchie. dude. I'll, I'll cook you up some in my air fryer for you, man. I, I can no, actually have some bacon today. No, that's blasphemous, man. You better put that on a skillet. Hey, I had it on the, you know what, though? I actually uh-huh. had it on the uh, let me think here on the grill. I actually had it on the grill. You can do that on a grill. Yeah, I did it on the grill today. Uh, this morning, hey, it came out good. We just do bacon in like a skillet. But oh. if I if I'm in a hurry and I don't got time for that, I do that in the microwave. Oh, which the is microwave actually pretty good. But <laughs> yeah, it's it is because you could just like do like put like strips down. And then put paper towel underneath and on top, and then do it for like a minute, and then do it for like another minute, and then it got like shrink shrinks up and get crispy. <laughs> Which Frenchie is now just probably making himself a plate of bacon. Yep. Oh, that's what we got. Oh. Anyway, fuck it. Bacon on barbecue, people. Bacon on barbecues. You see. Bacon on barbecue. Got it. Hmm. That might actually taste pretty good. I might have to try that out. <clears throat> anyway, okay. Frenchie, we got to finish, okay? <laughs> we don't got time for your foolishness with bacon. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Anyway, Malcolm got shot a lot of times. And uh, it, like you say, it, it was it was horrific. You know, because his wife and kids were there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his wife at the end, she's crying and, you know, wailing and screaming. And I mean, can you imagine seeing your dad just like all that trauma? That is a lot of trauma. As a matter of fact, I was actually thinking about that whenever I saw that, to be honest with you. I'm like, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of therapy going on after this with the kids. Yeah, because like with, with their dad. Malcolm, his kids didn't see him shot. You know, but not Malcolm. Martin. His kids didn't see right. him shot. They weren't there, and the wife weren't there. But with Malcolm, they they were in like the front row or second row, and they they see all this happening. Exactly. But they did catch one of the guys because they shot him in the leg. But he said yeah. that. Well, he said the other guy that got arrested wasn't the one. It was some more people. I mean, I'm going into the documentary now of who killed yeah. Malcolm. Uh, he said it was some other people too, um, but yeah, yeah. At least they caught one of the guys. 
you know, and I just thought exactly. the police was just very slow. Like, they just wanted him to die. Well, don't forget the staggerations during that time and things like that. It was no surprise to me that, you know, you see cops slowly coming over there, you know, especially during that time. Mm-hmm. And it just sucks that corruption was part of this and that the outcome was the assassination of Malcolm and no cops were around. Yeah. It goes to show that, that maybe they were paid thinking off. about it, it's like no cops were around with Mal- Martin either. Like you think it'd be cops <clears throat> like outside a motel, right? Right. this is a public figure. But nobody, no cops were there. Anyway, I, bel- I don't right. want to get arrested. But yeah, <laughs> they were paid off. <laughs> Definitely paid off. So, yeah, totally. With that being said, is there anything else that you want to touch on as far uh, as the movie yeah. goes? Uh, Nelson Mandela is in the film. And I read that this was when Nelson got out of prison and Spike Lee was like, would you be in my film about Malcolm X? And he was like, cool, I'd be in it. (laughs) So after you go through the assassination, you see Nelson Mandela. And he's talking about how important Malcolm X is and how apparently there's a Malcolm X day. You know how we have Martin Luther King Day? Right. Apparently there's an unofficial Malcolm X day. Um, But I thought that Spike Lee during this film brought resurgence to how important Malcolm is. Because after this film, culturally, people start wearing like the X. Black people right. start wearing them X and Malcolm X hat. Malcolm X this. And they right. start getting deeper and deeper into who Malcolm X is. And, and probably the sales of his autobiography went up after this film. Like, right. um, Spike Lee brought Malcolm X into the 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 um culture. He he brought yeah. him back culturally into the algorithm because he was right, because... You know, Martin Martin Martin. And with this film, you got oh Malcolm X. Oh snap! I want to read more about him. And I think if you're a great filmmaker, you can encourage people to learn about someone deeper. Most definitely. And this is actually one of those movies that. You know, if you're a history person and you want to learn about this public figure, go on ahead, check out his autobiography because I know I am. I'm going to wind up ordering it. Um, Yeah. Another thing, too, you know how you said that with this movie, it actually helped bring him into the pop culture or the culture Mm -hmm. in general. Mm -hmm. There's actually a scene with um, Will Smith and Uncle Phil in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where Will is quoting Malcolm. And mm. Uncle Phil is like really angry and enraged over the fact that he's looking up to him. Oh wow! I don't know if oh. you remember that episode or not, but mm. he goes tr- he goes trust me. I heard the brother, uh, uh, preach or let me think. I'm paraphrasing. He said, "Trust oh. me, I've heard the brother speak before." There we go. Okay, I kind of remember that episode. Because it's like people take what he say out of context. Right. And I think his his daughter, from that interview I told you about, was talking about mm-hmm. that too. Like his famous quote, by any means necessary. Like people would kind of take take that out of context a bit. Um, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, like I said, Spike Lee did a great job in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, he brought <clears throat> Malcolm into the pop culture 
Um, and I think this film came out before Rodney King riots. Not it was in the same year, but I think it was like earlier it came out. I want to say or after. I don't know what the timeline was, but I just thought it was really interesting. Like how it is, it came out the same year. Right. As, um, like Rodney King, ninety two. Right. Um, Malcolm X came out in November eighteenth of nineteen ninety two, and then who was Rodney King? Is that earlier? Let's see. King was uh nineteen ninety one. Oh ninety one, really? Oh. Yeah. I wonder why they rioted in ninety two. Oh, was that when the cops got off? Right. Oh, okay. <clears throat> That's when the cops got off on everything. So Yeah. Well I I just wanna say, you know, growing up in Atlanta, um, we always hear about Martin. Because Martin is Atlanta, and Atlanta is Martin, <laughs> basically. Right. Um. So, from from this film, when I first saw it, like many many moons ago, and then just rewatching it and re rereading the autobiography, it makes me appreciate Malcolm, even though we, there's different philosophies and and beliefs, spiritual beliefs I have with him. Uh, it makes me appreciate him and much more and Malcolm much more and the transitions they went through. You know, like Martin went through that transition of like, you know, civil rights, civil rights, and then it went into like um, poverty and then it went into the Vietnam War and then it went right. into workers' rights. You know, and he was saying in that, that uh, documentary, King in the Wilderness, like when he said, once I start talking about Vietnam War, that's when everybody, even the people that praised me for the civil rights was cursing my name. Like, you don't have no business talking about that. You know, it's like once you um, transition or you go through this peak in your life, you're going to lose friends. Like, that, that'll be a test, too. Of who your real friends are, but when you go about this change, you're gonna lose a lot along the way. Um, but it's a change you have to go through, you know. Like with Malcolm, mm-hmm. he went through this this change, right? After he came from right. Mecca, um, yep, and he he lost a lot from going through that change. Right. To quote Sam Cooke, a change is gonna come. Yeah, once Sam Cooke went through that change too in his music, Mm -hmm. you know, people started to see him differently and he became more of a threat. Right. Awesome. But yeah, overall. That's what it is. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You see, I can't say that. So my tongue gets tied up every single time I say it. So I can't even say it. (laughs) So, but anyways, if I had to give this a rating, which I'm going to say this is like a five out of five, just like uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm-hmm. So I yeah, know this I, is actually wrapping up our Black History Month, but yeah. okay, from everything that we reviewed, how would you rank our? How would you rank everything? I thought we were gonna do that on a separate show. We can do that on here too if you want. It's up to you. Oh, okay. you want to do a separate show? We can do a separate show. Oh, I, can, I, I have no um, problem with that. How would I rank everything? Of course, Malcolm X would be number one for me. Okay. Um, and then it would make sense to go into one night in Miami 
because mm-hmm. I think the two go in hand in hand. Right. Um, Judas would be three. No, yeah, we talked about four. Judas. Um, yep. Um, hidden figures. No. Um. Yeah, hidden figures, and then remember the Titans. Okay. Let's see. For me, it would be Judas and the Black Messiah. Then from there, Malcolm X, and then from there, One Night in Miami. They go together. Um, mm-hmm. Last place would be, of course, you know, would wind up being um, Remember the Titans. Oh, but yeah. in fourth place would be Hidden Figures as well. So the only things yeah. that are different with mine is the Judas and the Black Messiah ra- ranking. Because I just loved it. Yeah. Because, like I said, it gave us a different perspective of um, the Black Panther Party movement and everything. And it wasn't Hollywoodized to the point where all they didn't give us any background to who they were. With this, it gave me everything that I needed needed and everything. And also, too, just to go off one last thing with Malcolm X with the, with the movie, it goes to show you why we didn't know that much about Malcolm X is because they were trying to cancel everything about Malcolm to the point mm-hmm. where he was erased from history. Oh, yeah. And, we, and that, was at the very, that was at the very end of it. Oh, yeah. Like, I think the most people at that time that knew about Malcolm were in Harlem and, and up north. Like, us in the south, we we didn't know too much about Malcolm, because like, like well, I was telling you, when we were just having this random discussion, and you were asking me, did they teach Malcolm X in school? Because you, you weren't taught it in school, right? No, no. I wasn't. We we definitely weren't taught it in Atlanta. We were just, and I could see the political agenda in that. That it was just like Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. Uh, yeah, he existed, but Martin Luther King. You know, that's right. how it was in Atlanta. You know, and it's right. It's like once you get into college, you start to explore, and you're like, wow, there's more people besides Martin Luther King. You know, there's there's Malcolm X, and then you start to dig into it. You know, and I just think it's a shame that they don't, because he's a controversial figure. I think it's a shame that they try to erase him from history, because him and Martin go hand in hand for me. And they should be taught side by side. Right. I do agree. I think there should be a waiver if you're in high school and everything. I believe this. I believe that they should have a waiver where you can teach Martin Luther King, but you have to be mature enough as like 16, 17 years old at that time, get your parents to sign a waiver and saying, hey, look, we're going to be discussing Malcolm X. It's going to be a very deep dive into Malcolm. And this has to be handled with maturity and carefulness. So with your consent, you're giving me permission to talk about him. That's interesting. Yeah, and I, uh, I'm just thinking about it now. I think, too, with so much of how Malcolm is uh, a Muslim, that had to do with it too, like just right. not talking about him in school. Exactly, I, I can definitely has, see that. I think that has something to do with it as well. Just like, just his non the nonviolence thing. He wasn't about that, and then just him being a Muslim, and then his thing with JFK. I think that all kind of is why in our schools they kind of pushed him off to the side. Right, I can I can understand that in a certain sense, though, in a, in a way. But at the same time, though, I still feel like he needs to be talked about. 
because yeah, all I knew I was wish... of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. And I wish they had like like in Atlanta, they have Martin Luther King Center. I wish they had the Malcolm X Center. Like <laughs> I would love to go to that and see everything that he did, his speeches and all this other stuff. Right. But like I said, I just had that one um, brave teacher in middle school that had us read Alex Haley, Malcolm X. And that was basically my exposure. Okay. So I think that's everything I wanted to talk about as far as Malcolm X goes, as far as the movie goes. I really had a blast at just doing these uh, movies and stuff like that for Black History Month. I'm actually happy that we extended Black History Month into March and we ended it with Malcolm X. I thought it was a, mm-hmm. just a perfect way to actually end it. Yeah, yeah, because before we did One Night in Miami, and then the crescendo is Malcolm X, and the other crescendo is a second Denzel Washington movie. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> with that being said, and everything, I'm going to go on ahead and end the show and everything. I appreciate Frenchie Narc for actually coming in on the show and everything commenting and stuff like that <laughs> that was just fun hey that was just fun that was just fun right there. <laughs> it, it gave some... <laughs> hey, hey we gotta eat um but yeah somebody appreciate... get Frenchie some bacon <laughs> you know what I might actually get me some now <laughs> but... somebody mail Frenchie bacon but anyways with that being said I want to tell you guys, I'm actually doing another show tomorrow night, and I'm actually interviewing an independent um, rapper, and his name is Dorkish. He has a new out, a mixtape out called Parcel Tongue. I'm going to be interviewing him. We're also going to do a small documentary review on uh, the Biggie Smalls Netflix documentary thing for one episode that we're doing. The first 30 minutes will actually be us reviewing the documentary, and then the other 30 minutes is going to be the one-on-one interview. And if I can, I'm not sure if I can do this on stereo or not, but I'm going to try and play maybe one of his songs mm-hmm. uh, because I do have his permission. So, you know, just go on ahead, check us out at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific Time for that. And then that's pretty much everything that I have for right oh, now. I have one more thing, John. Okay. Um, what you got? May 19th, I think, is Malcolm X's birthday, and I think that's Malcolm X's day. Okay. Good to know. May 19th. Okay. May 19th. Okay. I'm going to have to represent a little bit. Um, yeah, you go out and get your Malcolm X shirt. <laughs> I will. I definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys, um, if you guys want to, go on and follow us on our YouTube channel, Movie Lovers Unite. Also, too, go on ahead if you don't, and I understand that the pandemic has everybody's holes in the wad right now, but if you want to, just show maybe five bucks to us or whatever. How do you do that? You just go on ahead, go to www.gofundme.com forward slash movie lovers podcast go on ahead check that out also too for all your entertainment needs and wants and pleasures go on ahead and go to www.movieloversunite.com also too we also are on pinterest underneath the same name at movie lovers tv lovers unite and we're also under the same name with the with our instagram as well go ahead and check us out give us a follow over there give us some love also too you can follow me on on Twitter as well at John DeGorio8 or at Bridge Unit over there. And always until next time, it's been fun, Tamika. I'm glad that we did this. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for Me being too. a Thank part you, of this. Thank you, John. 
Thank you You're for welcome. giving a platform for Black History Month. You're welcome. I'm 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 willing to do this again next next year too because I have learned a lot. I can't wait to do this again with you. And of oh, course, you know, you. you're always welcome on the show. So always until next time, guys. It's been real, it's been fun. I can't wait to do this again and bye-bye. bye bye. Bye. <laughs> Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. This is your host, as always, from Movie Lovers Unite, John DeGorio, and I just want to sit, talk about something real quick, and that is Audible. What is Audible? I'm so glad that you guys asked. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audio books, ranging from bestsellers like Anne Rice, Stephen King, the list just goes on. Their whole entire catalog, when it comes down to audiobooks, is just fantastic. If you're on on the road and everything and you want an audiobook and you want to download it fast, go ahead, go to Audible. You're not going to regret it. They actually have a trial right now that you guys can actually jump on. You can actually go on ahead, go to the link, and it'll bring you up to that trial. And a matter of fact, every month, members actually get one credit to pick any title plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection and access to Daily News Digest from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs another thing too guys that's not all they have they also have they also have finish if you actually want to go ahead and do some things to actually better yourself for 2021 they have stuff for that too like finishing more books or becoming a better parent leader or a person how-to books which is something that everybody seems to grab onto a lot lately and everything else. So if you guys are actually looking for something to maybe better yourself for 2021, go on ahead, check out those books as well. They have a big catalog. You guys won't regret it. Go ahead, click on the link below in the description notes. Go on ahead. You guys won't regret it. Sign up for that trial period. And always until next time, stay safe, guys, and enjoy the show. And God bless. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.